0: that this would be a a, a time of real intimacy thank you that as much as we cannot sit down and spend time with the Lord Jesus we can sit down and spend time with the Lord Jesus and would you please allow your word to come alive in a way that Lord I'm incapable of communicating Um, thank you for the work of your spirit and um, Lord we pray that you'd help us to have hearts that are open Lord as we listen to to that which you might speak to us, especially, Lord, in the area of encouragement. May we be greatly encouraged and comforted, Lord, um, by and through your word, um, for Jesus' sake. And um, and we want to say we're really grateful, Lord, for all the good and wonderful things that you provide for us at those particularly poignant times. Thank you. You are a good God, and we rejoice, and it's with great thanksgiving we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Encouragement for troubled hearts. Um, so last week we listened. Um, we listened in as Jesus spoke, spoke words that pretty much destabilized the disciples. Judas was about to do something strange and and in some way betray Jesus, and and Peter who. Um, who's one of the stronger, seemingly more courageous of the group, was about to deny the Lord. Could it be that Jesus was at a point where he was now fed up with, with these unfaithful disciples, and he'd had enough to the point where now he was giving up on them and, and was about to abandon them? Let's read John chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many... What what does your translation say? Okay, we've got a few different translations. That's helpful. (laughs) In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Encouragement for troubled hearts. And so, looking at the fact that Judas uh, was about to betray Jesus, Peter was about to deny Jesus, is Jesus at the point when I was just fed up with these guys and he's about to give up and possibly abandon them. Is that what's happening? And in terms of abandonment, have you ever felt abandoned by someone that you love? That, that you thought loved you? It might be a friend. Might be a parent. It Might even be a, a partner or a spouse. And it can be painful, it can can be heartbreaking, and sometimes it can be without warning. Sometimes without rhyme or reason, they just leave, they just disappear, they just go missing. Later on, you may get an explanation, but not always. At least here, Jesus lets them know why he's leaving. And they're stunned, they're shell-shocked. Just before our portion in verse 33 of the last chapter, Jesus says, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, ooh, where I am going, you cannot come. it be like, Lord, you're starting to treat us like the Jews now. I mean, they, they're your enemies, but we're supposed to be your friends, It would be one thing to hear Jesus make this statement to others, but to hear it directed at them from Jesus, wasn't wasn't this the same wonderful Jesus that had invited them to follow him in the first place? Remember earlier in chapter 1, verse 43, Jesus says he found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Like, like, what's going on? Seems like all of a sudden, now, you don't want us to follow you. We realize that that we, have, that we, may, that we may have dropped the ball from time to time and, and may possibly let you down in the future, but Lord, you're going to leave us. See, and have you ever felt like that? Having, having failed the Lord in the past and Quite aware of your own sinfulness, you know what I'm saying? Like me. You know at some point in the future you're going to fail him as well. And you're like, Lord, could it be that you could, even, you, you, you could possibly leave me? And in similar fashion, these disciples, they can't believe it. And Peter ain't having it, right? In verse 37, he says, he says Lord, as Pastor E shared with us last week, why, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you," Jesus answered. "Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times." Jesus is like, really? You lot obviously don't know where you're at. Wow. But notice the disciples hadn't really been listening. Look what happened a few verses before our text. Three verses before verse 1 of chapter 14 John 13:36 says Simon Peter said to him Lord where are you going Jesus answered him Where I am going you cannot follow me now <laughs> but you will follow afterward See but they hadn't been listening carefully Jesus was about to leave them but only temporarily See, the disciples, they were often guilty, right, of not listening carefully. And some things never change, right? I mean, how good are we at listening? Do we listen carefully? This had happened a few times before. They often hear one part of what Jesus says, but not the next. And because of this, they're left feeling despondent. And how do we know that? Well, verse 1 of our text, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Remember, there was no chapter divisions in the original text. This is all one conversation. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Why would Jesus say that if they weren't troubled? The fact is they were, and today we're talking about comfort or encouragement for troubled hearts. Let not your hearts be troubled. The word troubled means to be stirred. It means to be agitated. It means to be uncertain. How would their anxiety be alleviated? What well, Jesus says, he says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Throughout this book, the author John Um, He's been emphasizing the, the, the need to trust in, to adhere to, to rely on God, to believe, right? That has been part purpose of this book, John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, right? And belief or faith in God would not only be encouraged in the good times, but also in the difficult times. And Jesus will repeat this again next week in verse 27, hence encouragement for comfort and encouragement for troubled hearts part two and jesus will actually conclude this conversation with the disciples at the end of chapter 16 just before he prays the high priestly prayer in chapter 17 now if you have an ancient copy of the scriptures in your hand i mean like an old-fashioned paper bible that is becoming a rare commodity nowadays um, especially if you have one with the words of Christ in red, you may you may be able to see that this chapter fourteen, pretty much all of most of it, um, the whole of chapter fifteen, every word, and then most like ninety percent of chapter sixteen is is in red letters. So this is part of a very long monologue that Jesus gives. And so Jesus is going to complete this whole section with pretty much the same thought in mind that that we're looking at today um, because right at the end of chapter 16 before he begins that high priestly prayer in verse 33 which I believe is the last verse he says I have said these things to you we're going to get here in in about four well actually in in a few weeks time we're going to break for Christmas or actually when we come back in the new year um, we'll, come, we'll come to John 16. He said, I have said these things to you that in me, what? You may have peace. You may have peace. Remember, their hearts are troubled, right? In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have circumstances that are going to cause you anxiety and going to cause your hearts to be troubled. But do what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Can you hear the encouragement? So back to our text, verse 1. Hopefully that gives you some context. Verse 1 continues, believe in God, believe also in me. <clears throat> Here is another of Jesus' grand claims, right? It's another reference to Christ's deity. I mentioned at the beginning, Superman HD. Jesus is human, but is also divine, Right? Jesus can be trusted, I mean this is quite a grand statement, but Jesus can be trusted even to the degree that you would trust God. (laughs) Because he is God, manifested in the flesh that is. But now after being God manifested on the earth, he is about to return home to the Father. And that's what this first section of our text is about, verse 1 to 6 if you like, for a subheading is going to the Father. But rather than be discouraged, if you like, or despondent or, or disappointed, Jesus says, He says, look, Jesus, I'm leaving, I'm departing, I'm going away, but I'm going away with you on my mind. I'm going to the Father. He says, me leaving is one of the best things that could actually ever happen to you. And he says, let me tell you about where I'm going. Verse two, he says, "In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also." So Jesus is leaving, but only for the benefit of his disciples. Plus, he's he's, going to come back to get them. Now, should this be encouraging for them? In the face of them letting him down, excluding Judas, but including Peter, Jesus is leaving, but he's coming back. And how many of you know, as we sit here today, (laughs) Jesus has been gone a long time. And we as modern-day disciples could be also feeling discouraged and despondent at the absence of Jesus. And are we any better at being faithful disciples? I mean, Pastor E helped us last week to show us that that we have a traitor within, don't we? And we're no better than than Peter or, God forbid, Judas. And I'm saying... Would it be a surprise based on our behavior if Jesus said, I'm leaving you? (laughs) And you're like, Lord, you know what? If I were you, I would leave me too. And you as a disciple might be feeling discouraged and disheartened and deflated and despondent, dejected and depressed. Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Wow, what a promise. In my father's house are many rooms. Another translation says many mansions. And whatever you do, don't think MTV Cribs. Another translation says, many dwelling places. Regarding heaven, there are many descriptive terms that the the Bible uses. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Abraham looking forward to what? How does he see heaven? He's looking forward to a city. Luke 23, Jesus, in talking to the thief on the cross, he refers to heaven as what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Mark chapter 10, verse 30, talks about <clears throat> eternal life in the world to come. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who are in heaven. Different ways of describing a place where the Father dwells. Different, different ways of this, describing the abode of God. And heaven is, is wonderful, however you describe it, but... It's only heaven because it's where God lives. The emphasis isn't so much on the place as much as it's on the person who is there. And as well as the Father, it's the place where Jesus will be. Middle of verse three, right? I will come again and I and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Hey, it's like, Jesus is gathering people together for a good time. Now, even as I mentioned those different descriptive terms, you might be like, wow, man, heaven sounds a little bit cryptic, a little ambiguous, especially when you hear Jesus say what he's going to say next week in verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and notice, and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's like, yo, so where is this? Where's, the, where's home? Like, where is, Where's heaven? Now, that which momentarily seemed understandable, all of a sudden, now seems a bit incomprehensible. Remember, 1 Corinthians 3 says that we are God's house. And the Father's house, it sounds mystical and enigmatic for us and the disciples. I wish I could talk a little bit more about it, but I'm going to resist the temptation. Thomas is like, Lord, this is confusing. It's, it's far from clear. We're not completely sure where you're going, Lord. And even if we did, how do you, forevermore, how do we get there? Verse 4. Look at it with me. Jesus says, and you know the way to where I am going. You know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus drops the classic, drops a classic. He's got bare classics, right? John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, (laughs) he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, wherever he is, right? Except through me. The way to the Father for Jesus is going to be what? Where has Jesus been telling his disciples, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm heading. This is what's going to happen to me. What's he been saying? I'm going to Jerusalem. And why is he going to Jerusalem? I mean, you as disciples, you forget as well. You ain't been listening (laughs) to Thank you. He's going to the cross. You know what I'm saying? And as he tells them that constantly, they're like, what? Even to the point, remember, Peter's like, what? No, no, Jesus, let me talk to you, right? You know how that conversation went, right? Jesus, I'm going to the cross, and I'm going to die. And they hear that, but they don't hear the other part, which is what? But on the third, thank you, Paul. On the third day, Jesus says, I'm going to rise from the dead. And I'm saying, we got, I mean, may God help us, you know what I'm saying, with with hindsight to be able to know this stuff, (laughs) to know this stuff. (sighs) The way to the Father for Jesus is the cross. The way to the Father for Jesus is death. And that's one of the reasons why he could face it. I mean, apart from the fact that it was obviously extremely challenging to a degree that we don't understand and possibly never will, you know what I mean? But a part of Jesus' commitment to the cross is he knows that ultimately, eventually, he's going to be with the Father. You know what I mean? And the Hebrews talks about the fact that Jesus was able to endure the cross and despise the shame. Why? For the joy that was set before him. And that's partly us, the fact that he knew his death was going to accomplish our salvation. But at the same time, it was also in conjunction with that, Jesus had great joy because he was going back to be with the Father. That is the way for Jesus back to the Father. And the way for the disciples to get to the Father is gonna be through Jesus because he went to the cross, amen? It's It's the only way. I mean, that's what this verse is saying. The way into the Father's presence was through the cross for Jesus and also his disciples. Earlier in chapter 12, Jesus said something really helpful. In John 12, verse 24, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth, into the ground, and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And we understand that principle. I mean, who wants to be the seed? No one wants to be the seed. But we understand (laughs) it. And we want the fruit that comes from the seed, right? See, Jesus' death was actually the key or the catalyst that would eventually bring life. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and the life. This term, the way, is reminiscent of the exodus and the journey from Egypt to the promised land with reference to the children of Israel, historically speaking. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 10, it says, Was it not you who dried up the sea, referring to the Lord God, the waters of the great deep, remember when he split the Red Sea, who made the depths of the sea, what? A way for the redeemed to pass over. See, this is this is, if you like, in John 14, a declaration of a new Exodus. But not from Egypt to Canaan, but from this world to the new heavenly Jerusalem. And notice verse six is an exclusive term. So much to unpack. It's an exclusive. Jesus defines himself as the way, the definite article. He's not a way. There's only one way, and it's him excluding all others. And note also the I am statement. I am the way. It's the penultimate of the I am statement. So we're going to hear one more in the next chapter, chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am what? John chapter, f- thank you. I am, the, I am the true vine. So <clears throat> that's the first section of our text, verse one to six, going to the Father. Now, verse seven to 14 is revealing the Father. Revealing the Father. Verse seven, Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him. Jesus is saying, you know what? I am the ultimate revelation of the father. Revealing the father, right? I am the ultimate revelation of the father. In verse eight, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. See, what Philip wasn't getting here is that Jesus is the exact representation, the exact resemblance, the exact reflection of the Father. If you see Jesus, then you've seen the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, speaking about Jesus, Jesus, says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Another translation says, God's Son. Oh, here we go. There we go. God's Son has all the brightness of God's own glory and is like Him in every way. Another translation, this is the amplified version. Get ready. The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence. Wow! wow! Hey! In conjunction with Jesus being the exact reflection of God, can you see something that comes up in in all three translations and 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 and, and, and it it continues to be one of those words that we can't really get the arms of, of our mind around. And what is it? Glory. Glory. We see a consistent reference to God's glory. Do you remember an Old Testament incident where somebody wanted, and hopefully this helps us, who wanted to see the glory of God? Do you remember that? Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Byron. Moses. But, he's, but he's, he wanted to see God, but he said it in a strange way, right? Back in Exodus. Lord, he says, show me your glory. Exodus 33. And God says, yo, Moses. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't see, you can't see me. <laughs> Amen. You can't see me and you, you might see me momentarily. But the, the moment after you see me, it's over. You can't see me and live. <laughs> if I reveal myself in all my splendor to you, you will die. How many of you know the Godhead, the Trinity, is, is, is a very deep concept. The work of God, the Spirit, is evident like in creation, particularly through the miracles of Jesus and and then the person of God the Son, the second member of the Trinity, manifested as Jesus in a human body. That's another thing. But the Father has not, cannot be seen, apart from incidents possibly like Exodus 33. I think there's an argument that it could be the Lord Jesus, like pre-incarnate. You know what I'm saying? But whoever it is out of the Trinity, Moses is granted a peep. And and essentially what he sees is the afterglow. Like once God has passed by, then he sees. He catches a glimpse. And then you know that the Lord then gives Moses the Ten Commandments, doesn't he? And he comes down with them in, in chapter 34. And when Moses comes down the mountain, something's different about Moses, isn't it? His face is shining. So much so he's got to put a veil over his face. Hey. Second Corinthians chapter 4. How many of you know that Moses is a picture, is an old testament picture or prefigurement of who? Did you did, don't you know that the whole Bible is about Jesus? In in Deuteronomy 18, Moses is like, listen, at some point in the future there's gonna come a prophet like me. But he's I mean he's nothing like me, but he's like me in the sense that you must listen to his words, and, and you hear the father say, this is my beloved son, listen to him, right? It's a throwback, it's an echo from, 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 from Moses. So Moses is a type of Jesus, in a sense, it's a picture of Jesus, and in Second Corinthians, did I put it up, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, when did that happen? I should test any biblical theology here, Genesis 1, right? You know what I'm saying? God said, let there be light. And there was light. When God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined where? In our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. This is supposed to help us appreciate who Jesus really is. He is the best representation of God That we can handle. God but clothed or veiled. A little bit like Moses was. But in human form. Right? But there was the odd occasion. Where Jesus revealed a little bit of his glory. Right? Where Jesus exposed the S on his chest. Right? Remember the transfiguration. In Matthew chapter 17. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him, this is earlier, right? He took with him <clears throat> Peter and James and who? Who? John, the writer of our book, the book that we're studying, right? So he's there and, 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 and Jesus led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. I mean, Jesus just, just, just gave them a little peep. You know what I mean? And the sun. I mean, how many of us can look directly at the sun? Don't try it. And let alone looking at the sun, we can't, we can't, we can't stay out in it for too long. Even though some try, right? And do you know how far away we are from the sun? Anybody? We got any scientists or physics teachers? Two million miles? Two million miles? That's nine, 92. Okay. As far as I understand, that's a really that's a really good that's a really good art. Very close. I think actually I think you're close. I was gonna give you the general ballpark. A hundred million miles away, a hundred and fifty miles. Million kilometers away, that's how far the sun is from the earth. If we was just another 100 miles closer, it'd be over. I mean, if you, tra- you, know, if you travel to the sun, you know how long it would take to get there? It's traveling at a speed of sound, it would take you 14 years to get there. Travelling at the speed, of, the speed of sound is how quickly it takes from the words to come out my mouth and hit your ears. That's how fast you're travelling and it takes you 14 years to get to the sun. Now my thing, Nick, my thing is, imagine, imagine getting up so close to the sun, even if it was just half that distance, right? You'd be incinerated. And here's Jesus. Looking a little bit like the sun. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not even overplaying it. You know what I'm saying? But that is the, that's, the, that's the descriptive word that the writer uses. You know what I'm saying? To describe what it was like to see him. You know, man's just turning their face away. Probably height. Tr- and, and then later on, Jesus re- re- reveals himself to the very same John, doesn't he? It does it again, and it's just too much for John. I'm like poor John, right? The John, John. Remember, John wrote the book of Revelation, right? In Revelation chapter one, says, "Then I turned to. This is John speaking. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. This is this is obviously some kind of vision, right? And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man." which is one of Jesus's favorite terms for himself clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His eyes be like, you see the new BMW with the lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying, and it says his feet were, were burnished bronze re- refined in a furnace like lasers, you know, laser eye, you know, laser eye. Is that what they call them? Laser lights. And his feet were burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters, like Niagara Falls. You know, like you stand by Niagara Falls and you try to talk to each other. You're like, you can't hear each other because it's so loud. I mean, talk about. And his voice was like, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as as though dead. Like John's there, and John's like, uh-huh. <laughs> John just, John just passes out. And this is just a vision. It wasn't it wasn't a three dimensional experience as we would know it. And John passes, he faints, collapses. Do you remember what John said at the beginning of his book? In John chapter one verse eighteen. He says, no one, note note this, no one has ever seen God the Father. The only God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he has made him, God the Father, known. See that? Shall I do that again? Did you get it? Alright. So no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. No one has ever seen God the Father. The only God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side. Because Jesus is as much God as the Father is God. Jesus, who is at the Father's side. He, Jesus, has made him, God the Father, known. Remember that. That is the point of this section, verse seven to fourteen, revealing the Father. Back to our text in verse nine. Jesus said to him, I "Feel like the sun's shining on me? Can we just turn the heat down just a little bit more, everyone? No, down, please. Hey, who? I thought to myself, should I wear a long, short sleeve shirt today? And I thought, no, nah, man, it's getting cold. I went to this wedding yesterday. Was it Saturday? Friday?" I went there. When I came out my house, the sun was shining. I looked at the thing and I put on this nice, like, light blue suit. (laughs) Literally, by the time I got to the wedding, it was pouring. And I walked into the church and I'm like, everybody's in dark suits. (laughs) And you know the the moments where you're just like, I just feel like I I want to turn around and go back home. And to make matters worse, I had to go out the front because I had to do one of the prayers. I'm like... Like, see, I'm dropping into my old habits now. I don't even know why I told that story. <laughs> Somebody help me. Why did I tell you that? Sir? The sun, sh- the sunshine, sun shining. No, oh, that's it. Because today I said I was going to wear a short sleeve shirt. There's me. I can't figure. I can't work nothing out. I come in long sleeve shirt and I'm sweltering up here. So, I beg you, to turn that down for me, please. Um, verse nine. Jesus says to him. Remember, this is revealing the father. Jesus said to him, verse nine, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? See, this is the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of the triunity of God and describes the complete unity between God the son and God the father. They're so intricately linked that you could describe them as being in one another, yet they are distinct. It's a mystery. And Jesus continues in the middle of of verse 10. He says, the words, no, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his what? All right, verse 10, right in the middle of verse 10, because, you know, (sighs) What can I say? Like, we tr- we try to work hard at trying to help, 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 help us as a church to understand the Bible. Because what's the point? You know, we could come up here and tell you funny stories and you know I mean talk about loads of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what we're trying to do is like we want to understand the Bible. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's our aim. So, middle of verse ten. Jesus continues, it says, the the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his what? Works, words and works, right? This is something that Jesus has already mentioned in John chapter 5, verse 19, chapter 8, verse 28 and 12, verse 49, if you want the references, that his words and works all originate with who? The Father. He says, I don't do nothing apart from that which I, I see my Father do. I don't say anything apart from that which the Father speaks to me. That's what those verses refer to. And, and that's the point, isn't it? If Jesus is revealing the Father, He's going to come speaking none other than the Father's words. You know what I'm saying? If Jesus is revealing the Father, He's going to come and He's going to do who? who who's He's going to come and do the Father's works. If he's here to reveal the Father, surely that stands to reason. If if Jesus' job is to reveal the Father, what, what else would you expect? Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, if that trips you up, believe on account of the works themselves. <laughs> it's like It's like Jesus recognizes that they don't get it, right? It's like... You guys are struggling to understand. Well, but well, just believe me. Just trust me when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You might not be grasping the words, but you have seen the works. You've seen me do many wonderful works, right? And, and not just the miracles. Not just the miracles. Don't see the works as just the miracles. But you've seen the way that I love. You've seen the way that I forgive the way that I show mercy, you've seen me show kindness and compassion. These are the works that reveal the Father. Right? And on that basis... If you can't understand my words and they're mixing you up and they're muddling you up, you can't understand whether heaven's there or it's here or, you know what I'm saying, how I can be in the Father and the Father's in me and, and we're going to go away and be there and, and we're going to come and make our home with you. Even if you don't get all of that, all right, you've seen the work. They're like, yeah, yeah, we've seen the works. You've seen, seen the works. I've seen, I seen the bread and the loaves and I've seen the, hear the blind I, I seen, we've seen the work. Good. You've seen the works. Good. Well, believe me on that basis. You just hold on to that. And furthermore, the works that I do that reveal the Father, whoa, you also will be able to do. Look at verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wow. And it doesn't stop there. And greater works than these will he do, that is the person who believes, greater works than these will he do. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. Which means as Jesus leaves, (laughs) guess who's coming to replace him? The third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. See, they don't understand how how blessed it is going to be for them to for for Jesus to leave. And just as, how many of you know, just as Jesus is about to leave in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus articulates just how much greater the ongoing work of the disciples will be. He says in Acts 1. um, And, and this is now after his death and resurrection, right? We're fast forwarding a little bit in terms of salvation history. Acts, 40, Acts 1, verse 4 to 11 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. It's always got to be reminding them. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. I mean, there's going to be a baton exchange. He's going to leave and he's going to hand the baton to the Holy Spirit, if I can say that reverentially. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You see, it's power to be a witness. I'm not trying to teach Acts 1. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's like, can you see how this is going to be greater than even Jesus in its context? To the end, You lot are going to go to the end of the earth. And, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is called the Ascension. And while they were gazing into heaven, I mean, who wouldn't be gazing? While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by in white robe and said, yo, why are you lot gazing? What? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. See, whilst on earth, Jesus can only be in one place at one time. right? And he only traveled in and around one geographical location anyway, Israel. And just outside of Israel, sometimes he went up to Lebanon, remember the Syrophoenician woman. But pretty much he was in Israel most of the time, and, and that only for three and a half years. See how much greater, quote unquote, will be the work of the disciples. And it's actually Jesus, it's actually Jesus still doing the work, if you know anything about the book of Acts. They call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. Someone said, Err. that's not a good title. Why? Because mm, it's, it's not just them. You should call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. That's better, isn't it? Speak through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit's all over the place. But then some are like, ah, wait a minute, that's good, but it's not complete. It really should be the, the Acts of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Be like, yeah, 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 that's better. That should be the title. Take up a whole page, right, if, if you had that as the title. Because Jesus is still working. That's what that's what Luke says at the beginning of Acts chapter 1. He says, the stuff I wrote to you about Theophilus before in my first volume, Luke, he says, but I'm going uh, to, that's, that's the stuff that Jesus began to do and teach. Began, but Jesus continues in, in the book of Acts to do that, doesn't he? He <sighs> says, actually, Jesus, you see, the disciples are going to do greater works, but it's actually Jesus doing the work through them. You know and I'm saying through His disciples as they relate to Him, as He related to His Father whilst He was here on Earth. And how did He do that? How did Jesus relate to the Father? Did someone say it? Through prayer. This is not rocket science. Verse 13 continues, it's the same pattern, verse 13, whatever Jesus says, you ask in my name, because I'm leaving, but you, you want to function like me, you want to speak the words and do the works that I do when I'm gone, this is how you're going to do it. When I'm in heaven, talk to me. You talk to me, just in the same way you see, you see how you saw me talking to the f- father, that's what y- you do. You talk to me. And whatever, no, wow, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this doesn't need clarification and qualification, because a little bit later, next week, we're going to see Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what? You'll keep my commandments. You ain't going to ask me no whack, no crazy, off-key mad Madness. You're going to, everything you're going to ask me is going to be, and even if you come and you ask me some madness, a little while after the Holy Spirit will just show you, Mm-mm, and you'll be like, oh, sorry, Lord. That's a madness. I don't even know why I asked for that. Thank you that you never gave me that. Because Lord, if you did ever give me that, hallelujah. Right? So the stuff that, ask me anything in my name and I would do it. And if it's in his name, I mean, how are you going to pray for something mad in Jesus' name? <laughs> right there, just you're like, right, that. that should begin to modify our pr- Our prayers, right? If we're going to pray in Jesus' name, right? And he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it because when I do, the Father will be revealed through you, through your words and your works, which are actually my words and my works. See, this is God's people displaying God's glory. Next week, we'll see how We'll see further how this will happen through the coming of the of the Spirit, which Jesus begins to introduce us to. So there we have it. Going to or going to the Father, the way to the Father, and then revealing the Father, particularly through the words and the works of the Father. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Dear Lord, I was going to immediately say Heavenly Father, but even as I say Heavenly Father in the context of what we've just talked about, it just has a different ring to it. Where is heaven? Um, But wherever it is, you're there, and you're who make it heaven. But you're our Father, and you're extremely glorified, You're far beyond that which we can imagine or even explain as I tripped over trying to do so today. Yet thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through the Lord Jesus. And Jesus has helped us to know how to get to you, Father. And not only has he just stood there and shouted instructions, turn left, turn right, and then go straight along. Now Jesus prepared the way, created the way. He made the way for us by going to the cross and for dying in our place. And he has now become the way. Jesus is the door that leads to you, Father. And anybody who wants to come has to come through him, has to come through Jesus. And Father, we do that by believing, by believing in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus. And we may hear many words about Jesus and not understand them, completely but we understand his works we understand his love and his commitment and his kindness particularly shown to us through the cross thank you father for, for, sh- for showing us the way and thinking that Jesus has gone before us to prepare a place for us that where he is we may also be and we want to thank you lord for your words and for your works and the fact that we get the privilege as those who believe in Jesus who follow Jesus as disciples of Jesus although we flop and we fail we're just like Peter we constantly drop the ball yet you choose to use us to be your mouthpiece to speak your words and to also fulfill your works Lord thank you for this intimate conversation that jesus has with his disciples with those that he loves and those that love him too a father that to some degree describes us would you would you work in such a way that we would draw closer to you based on the fact that you've drawn closer to us father So that we, as your people, as the church, your ecclesia, that we might be God's people for God's glory. We might be your people, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.